When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Headstuff Studios in Dublin, welcome. Actually, not from Headstuff Studios. Sorry. From Derek's house in Dublin. <laughs> welcome to Motherfucker. Back up the words. Irish. Irish words and words from Ireland. I'm Derek O'Shea. And I'm Patrick Rivonig, and I'm not in Derek O'Shea's house. But sure, look, we're getting by. These are these are the quarantine sessions. Our, our are... Season three. These are the quarantine sessions. Season three, we had a very... We had a very specific opening planned for season three when we wound up season two. That isn't that has been made impossible by the quarantine. And I hope you all, yeah. you and the people closest to you, are all staying well. Yeah, because nineteen is both ends of a bastard. It is an awful thing, and it is. <laughs> I mean, and this <laughs> is a hoover of a pandemic. So it is. And, you know. I mean, most pandemics are, you know, aren't great, but this pandemic <laughs> is particularly bad. <laughs> there are a few good pandemics. <laughs> <laughs> There's very few good ones. Anyway, this one is particularly bad. We don't, we don't care for it. And it did occur to me uh, that when thinking about danger and stuff like that, the idea that of danger all around is invisible and you're not sure you're not sure if the little tasks you're performing, the little rituals of washing hands, staying away from people, if it's paying off. And there is an element of trust. And, you know, and there's people have lots of reasons for not trusting authority and stuff like that. But maybe when it comes to public health, maybe the fact that, that it's a case when you have to put some of those concerns behind just, you know, muck in. Yeah, it's it's been a real show of social cohesiveness. In fairness, I think people have been playing a blinder, you know, mm-hmm. from every report of people not paying attention to the rules and, and going out and mingling and things like that. To bear in mind that the vast, vast majority of people are staying at home, they're isolating. I mean, I have the fucking hands washed off myself. My knuckles yeah. are red raw from washing my hands. And, I, and it just kind of shows how poorly I was doing it beforehand. Like I, I, I was I wasn't a non hand washer beforehand, but mm. doing it properly and doing it as often as this, every time you come back into the house, every time you touch anything, it's um yeah, my hands are sore and my my undying admiration for medical professionals and frontline healthcare workers has gone up a notch considering the punishment they put their their lava through on a regular basis. They really do, and you do see this kind of when you when you're talking to nurses, and they talk they talk about kind of um, women who have their female friends who have excellent manicure or manicures, and saying, "Yeah, I wish I could have that, but I'm a nurse. I need to use my hands every day, and they need to be spotlessly clean. And I can't, you can't do this job with shellac. <laughs> you can't do this job with shellac. That that, that should be a t-shirt slogan. 
probably is. I, I think there might be a nurse Facebook group where it's, there's slogans along those lines. But yes, <laughs> but we're not talking nurses today. For a change, Dark isn't talking about nurses. Dark is talking about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. Specifically, the words, the three words we're going to be talking about today are tear, na, nog. Tiernanog, the mythical land of, of milk and honey, an island paradise off the west coast of Ireland, the supernatural realm of everlasting youth, beauty, abundance and joy, uh, and home to the descendants of the two of the Donnan, and definitely 100% a real place. You know, it's. I think the fact that the idea of a mythical land to the west that when these stories were gathered in the late 19th century, when there's so much immigration, I think the fact there was a, there was a resonance there to the idea that um, there was so much immigration to America, that there was a resonance, this idea of this place where people went and couldn't come back. And if they did come back, things would never be the same again. Because they uh, changed, the home would have changed. It's definitely there. The, the other the other thing about the idea of a mythical land to the West is is just how prominent it was in in lots of different cultures. I mean, if you look through the even just the Celtic cultures themselves, um, there was uh, Anun or Anfun in 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 Wales. I'm going to get crucified by our Welsh friends for my uh, um, for my pronunciation, but that was like the Welsh otherworld. Um, in Gaelic folklore, in in and in Scots folklore, up in 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 Scotland, it was fairyland, and of course in Arthurian legend, there's Avalon, uh, or yes. Arthur's final resting place, and then right across it in Irish mythology, um, Brassel or High Brassel. Um, was a phantom island said to lie off the coast of Kerry. One day every seven years it would appear, uh, it becomes visible, but it still can't be reached. So this idea of, a, and outside of Celtic mythology, of course, there's like Atlantis and other high profile examples of it. But it just goes to show you that for generations and generations, for thousands of years, people have been looking at that vast ocean and just imagining, you know, there must be something out there, something special, something otherworldly, something different. Not just not just America, like exactly. In Portugal, they have the the Ne plus Ultra um, statues, saying that there's nothing past here. Oh yeah, <laughs> go no further. Here there be dragons, as used to be written on the maps. <laughs> yeah, to hold off. So, I mean the the story of Tierno, it, it ties back. I think it's it's one of these stories similar to the the Icarus story that. It, it works on a number of levels, which is one of the reasons it survived very well compared to some of the other, some of the hokier stories. It, it, there's a lot of resonance in the idea that people change when they move away for work. People change when they move to get married. People change when they, person changes when they come back, think that the place has changed and they've changed in different ways and they, things are never the same. But also, when people do well for themselves, they still miss where they came from. And there's a weird displacement. There's, there's a lot going on in, 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 uh, in a, what, a story that seems very simple on the surface. 
I think what you're saying is that when people move away to a better place with more opportunities, uh, more wealth and a way to make a better life for themselves, they get fucking notions is what they get. They do. And the funny thing is they don't uh, don't realize it straight away because I think for a lot of people when they do, and I, I notice this especially, and and I'm sure we, some of our listeners might attest to this, you know, there's... um. There's a moving to Dublin from the country thing, but there's also a moving to London from Ireland thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, friends of mine, loads of friends of mine from college moved to London to further their careers. Um, but I graduated just, I suppose, just about the death throes of the Celtic Tiger as the recession was starting to kick in. So when my friends were moving to London, it wasn't called emigration back then; it was called moving to London. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're awful notiony people now um, over there with their with their apartments and their and their good jobs and their functioning public transport network and their wonderful <coughs> restaurants. It's a, it's a it's incredible restaurants. I do. Well, I love going to London and meeting friends and going and some of the places. My favorite restaurant kind of chain in, in London that isn't here, that isn't in Dublin yet, is called Dishoom. It's kind of a high end kind of um, Indian food. And Dishoom is, is a word for a sound effect in Bollywood. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. My favorite, chain of, my favorite London chain of restaurants that isn't over here is uh, Oaxaca, which is uh, a high-end, classy Mexican joint. Uh, oh. that's a tequila menu that's absolutely to die for. Um, but yeah, no sign of them coming over here anytime soon, I'm afraid. Boojum have the market cornered and show more power to them. We'll all be having burritos when this is over. Hmm. Oh, it's 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 a funny thing. Burritos have got on, and so the, I'll start off with the the basic bones of the story of Tierno, and this is Oshin. And his father was Jumakul. Jumakul. Oshin means a is a word for like a fawn. Yeah. And his mother was briefly a deer. Yeah, Sive, um, who was enchanted by a druid and was turned into a deer. And Fionn McCool managed to uh, reverse that and uh, make love to her and marry her. And he couldn't hang on to her for long, though. She eventually returned to her deer farm and abandoned him. But he was left with Oisin, uh, one of the greatest warriors of the Fianna and in legend regarded as the greatest poet of Ireland uh, at the time. Um, and, of course, his most famous one, uh, his most famous adventure of, of Manny is is when he goes to 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 Tiernanog. But of course, he had plenty in the in between. He um, he was one of the high profile members of the Fianna with many stories and songs dedicated to him. And yeah, so he was a young fellow, and he had they said was he had a patch of deer skin on his on his face. Was it to represent? Uh, did he? No. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't, uh, I'm not familiar enough with the Oceanic legend okay. to know if he, uh, if he had a patch of deer skin on his face, but it certainly, it certainly runs with, uh, it runs with the truth that his mother was, was a deer. Funnily enough, Oshin is a name that has, uh, Oshin is a name that has soared in popularity in the 21st century, especially, and, uh, and the late nineties compared relative to other Irish names that have kind of gradually kind of shifted away. Whereas Neve was Neve, the girl he met. That was a very popular name. That was an extremely popular name in the, in the 70s and 80s in Ireland. 
Yeah, I, I went to school with a lot of Neves. Listen, we all went to school and college with a lot of Neves. And they, were, they were all lovely, every single one of them. They were all lovely. I had a theory that when you, you for people, again, you know, my generation, and, you know, give or take six or seven years either way, you knew a Deirdre, a Kira, a Gronya, and a Neve, and Neve was always the one who was first to suggest shots. <laughs> that may well be true, yeah. And you know, it's it's so and so, yeah, I, I, but, can, I cannot be drawn to comment on that. <laughs> but yeah, maybe you knew different Kiras and going as to me, but. Um, <laughs> But yes, but certainly Neve is. It's Neve and Ashin have 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 stayed. Have both have both retained our powerful, popular names. Now. It's because this is a really beloved story. It has a lot going on. It is. A, it's a story. I think that every single Irish person knows. Whereas maybe not every Irish person knows the Jamrod and Gronya story. Yeah, which is kind of disappointing because, like, that is. Dermot and Grania is our like it's our Trojan War, you know. It's it's yeah. the big one. It's the great, it's the great love story. It's the great story of of tragedy. Um, and yet we know more about Oshin and Neve Kinor, Neve of the Golden Hair, uh, than we do of of, of Dermot and Grania, unfortunately. But I suppose it's just something that maybe there's something in it that resonates with people and maybe what you were saying that she came and she, she snapped him away. She took him away to, to the way he fell in love with her and uh, left all his mates. And I don't know. Does that resonate? Like when you, when you, somebody starts dating uh, either a boy or a girl and they don't have time to hang around with you anymore. Um, so this maybe it's, this maybe is a big it's universal. I remember because once somebody would tell me, you know, get the, the stress. Uh, I, it was a female colleague. We, we will call her Neve for the hell of it. And she was talking about, oh, I'm very stressed out. I'm meeting my, uh, meeting my boyfriend's parents for the very first time this Friday night. There's dinner in the house. Oh, God. Most of us think, oh, you'd be great. They'll love you. You know, normal people say stuff like that. But not everyone is normal. And one colleague said, you should, yeah. You know, we should be sure to come across very nice because when a mother and a father meet their son's girlfriend, they're meeting the first person to suggest putting them in a home. <laughs> you have a, a very morbid read on things. When I first one colleague, we were all shocked. And is it, is it, the theory is yes, when, when, when. And I, and I know you, you you have worked for in part of your career in an active kind of um, active senior senior life and and, and issues around kind of um, um, active retirement. But the issue, I suppose, is that people think that when a conversation starts about alternatives to an elderly person living on their own, it's often suggested by a daughter-in-law. Is the that's that's the Irish stereotype that a daughter won't suggest that a son might stand up for his parent as much as a daughter might. This is the kind of the the old Irish saying that a son's a son till he gets him a wife, a daughter's a daughter for the rest of her life. Oh, that's very poetic. I hadn't heard that one. Have you not? Oh, God, oh, I, I, I thought everyone knew that one. Well, that's pretty good. I like that. It's probably true. I mean, I'd, I'd be the first to suggest taking my parents around the back of the shed, if necessary, you know, to an old yeller. <laughs> I wasn't going that far. I was talking about 
<clears throat> Listen, these these pandemic times are different, you know. If you have to shoot oh, them, yeah. you have to shoot them. Um, <laughs> not the tone I was going for. That was a joke. I love my parents. I don't want mm. to murder them in cold blood. <clears throat> I think just yeah, it's it's such a it's such a wonderful thing because I only had one one grandparent growing up, and. Mm. And I had no grandmothers at that stage. And it's such a wonderful thing for my children to have grandparents, uh, or certainly grandmothers. And and they, and we are all, all having grandmothers. So that has been great for them. And in a way, I can just see it. And I can see how much you miss out on it. I can see how it's, uh, I can see how it's, my, my, my perspective on the whole thing has changed a lot seeing it. And, and yeah, as we all know, I've seen in these pandemic times, um, family connections are incredibly important. They're being tested a lot by social distancing. If and when things do get back to some things we might consider relatively normal, uh, hopefully at this point we'll realize so many other things that don't necessarily generate profit are so, so extremely valuable. Like grandparents, like art, like the books and storytelling that have got people through this time. Yeah, the storytelling side of things, like it, it really has, it's kind of come back into its own because in, in pre-television and pre-radio Ireland, that was the number one hobby. Um, the number one pastime was what was known as Bohantiecht, going around from cottage to cottage and swapping stories. And there was a place in Irish society for the Shanachie. And I think through you know, sort of indirectly by having cans with each other over Zoom and house party. We're kind of getting back to that old tradition of Bohantiecht and just chatting to each other. The, the background noise of the pub is gone and we're kind of forced to to talk to each other. Um, and our socialization with each other, our socializing is precious now again and and we have to make the most of the time that's there and these stories the story of Oshin and Neve Hinor and the visit to Tiernan Oak and his return and his you know tragic tragic ending it would have been one of the staples one of the things that, that was that was told to people as they go around and, and it has stuck with us it's stuck with us throughout all the years one of the things you were saying earlier on was like this has resonated with the Irish people more than some of the other legends, certainly more than the likes of uh, Deirdre the Sorrows. Um, maybe yeah. only how Cucullin got his name or the Salmon of Knowledge. Maybe only they can 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 beat this. But very I few. I think people know the Salmon of Knowledge. They don't know the detail of the story terribly well. And I would say if you asked a lot of people who, in the Salmon of Knowledge, who was the boy who licked his thumb, I think... I, I, if you ask 10 people, I don't think all 10 will get it right. And I think people know the story of the children at Lear, but if you asked someone to name, just name one child of Lear. Or... To name them, like Aoife, A, Fikra, and... Damn it. What was the other one? Other guy. Other guy. <laughs> he's like, he's like child, a third of the three Child four. <laughs> No, yeah, we we. Uh, <laughs> I was in a I was in a radio play uh, of the Children of Lear on RTE uh, a long time ago, so I should really know what they were called. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I would say, I mean, I think the thing no, was, no, it wasn't I, even Aoife. Aoife was the Aoife was the the, the jealous step 
stepmother. Was yeah. Fionnuala a Fakra and Khan? Oh, they're great names, though. Yeah, I was I was Fakra, I think. It's in, funny because in that play, Aoife is the enduring is one of the most enduringly popular Irish names in that it was, you know, it was solidly popular in the 90s and has continued to be popular to this day. It's had the longest run of top 10 names for, they compared to Neves and Sinead's and those, you know, popular names which have described. Is it even, it's it's even outdoing Neve in that regard, is it? Much, much more so. I, when I was doing the kind of, I was doing my research for the various articles I've written on names, which have generally been the most popular articles I've written in terms of shares, because people share because they know a person with that name. And like Aoife was the top name in the turn of the millennium, and and twenty years later, it's still like in the top in top ten or top five. And it was, it just hasn't. You know, it, it's unusual for a name to have a have BB solidly popular for 30 years which it has been yeah it looked- the example i use is like if i told you that i was talking to a uh, a girl called sorry, a person called mildred you would probably guess that person's age based on how popular the name was <laughs> in a certain period of time if i told you i was talking to a girl called ashling you probably think yes she's not a teenager she's probably in her 30s Possibly in her twenties, <laughs> and, and she she walks to work with her MBTs on, with her court shoes and her handbag. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas Aoife is a name that there are Aoife's. There's not many Irish names where a an aunt and a niece will both could be as, as likely to have it because you don't you generally don't get that 25, 30 year lasting appeal. That's true. Like you, you, you know, there's. I mean, there are some exceptions, like there are sort of what would have been nicknames once upon a time that have become names now in their own right and being very popular. Yeah, Molly. Like, uh, Molly, Jack, Bobby. So you can easily have a grandmother called Molly who was christened Mary and a granddaughter called Molly who was christened Molly. You know, you yeah. could have a grandfather christened John who went by Jack all his life or Robert who went by Bobby all his life and they could have Jack and Bobby as grandkids. So with those kind of few exceptions, yeah, Aoife is the kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's right up there. Um, it is, it's, it's, it's got staying power. Fuck yeah. Go on to Aoife's. Any Aoife's listening out there? This one is dedicated to you. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, um, it's been, it's, 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 it is the most, it's a fascinating, there's a fascinating story there in the statistics of it. I wouldn't have picked it out, but then at the same time, Aoife is a name that has, has, has shown incredible staying power. We're yeah. also disconnected from its, like the fact that we, we think, well, who's, who's the famous Aoife? And I actually think possibly because there haven't been that many famous Aoife's in public life compared to famous Sinead's and maybe, maybe even famous Kira's and Deirdre's. I think possibly that may have been part of the reason that it, it didn't fall because the name Sinead just stopped being popular or started dropping popularity after Sinead O'Connor. And you're saying that Sinead O'Connor did that? I'm just saying it just happened. That was when she, when she tore up the picture of the Pope, was it? I'm not saying people were punishing her. I'm just saying that's the same way that maybe, I'm not sure if when Colin Farrell became popular, people felt, oh, I was going to call my son Colin, but now I feel like it looks like I'm naming after a famous person. Nobody was going to call their son Colin. Colin. <clears throat> well, they really yeah. 
Does that mean? I, I, I think it's it's. Um, yeah, I, I was I was surprised that it's a. It's a funny name, Colin Farrell. When you think about it. Yeah, it's not for me. It's not, not for, for me. me. But Neve, Neve has stuck around. Like Neve has, Neve has stood the test of time as well. And and like yeah. you say, they're in knees for a long time. And and I mean, let's be fair. Like Neve Cusack, um, is fairly fairly high profile um, actor, and mm. you know she could easily have uh, a daughter or granddaughter called Neve easily and it would be believable it would be one of those names and all named after Neve Keenor the original one golden haired Neve who and came bright westward well, right? huh because Neve means brightness or a bright kind of yeah. shyness it's like shiny shiny hair her hair is obviously <laughs> shiny shiny lady um yeah so, Anyway, the, the 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 legend we're trying to sort of get to grips with today is um, is how she came um, she came from the west out of the sea on a horse, a white horse, um, which incidentally is why the horse in Into the West is called Tiernan Oak, so it's a white horse, and why it eventually returns to the sea in the in the yeah. very moving final scene of the film. It's um, it, the horse is magical. It allows her to travel from Tiernan Oak to Ireland and vice versa. And uh, yeah, so she uh, she comes over, she lands, she meets with uh, the Fianna. Um, she declares her love for Oisín, the greatest poet in Ireland. And she said she wanted to take him back to Tiernan Oak and be his wife. And Oisín was like, yep, no problem. Absolutely. Let's do this. I'm mad about you from the first second I saw you. And off they go. They, um, this, is a, they, this is a very interesting detail because when you think of courtship in in fairy tales, for want of a better phrase, the idea of the, a, a young woman arriving and declaring herself, I want that guy, you come with me. It's very unusual that it's not an arranged marriage. It's not her, a parent of hers. It's, it's quite disruptive in that she asks him to marry her. And I'm not sure there's many instances of that in... In folklore, in in international folklore, there's there's a few. Um, there's like there's um, uh, there's a couple that stick out. Like in in Japanese folklore, there's uh, Urashimataro. Uh, Urashimataro was a, um, a Japanese fisherman who uh, rescued a turtle, but the turtle was very special um, and magical. And it brought him to the Dragon Palace under the sea. And uh, the princess, uh, Otohime, um, fell in love with him and said, I want you to stay here. So he stays for a few days and he says, eventually I have to get back. I have to get back to my job. I have to go fishing. I have to get back to my village. But when he comes back, he uh, realizes that he's been gone for 100 years. Uh, so it's a very, very similar legend and again, that was a, a a woman, a princess, making him stay uh, in the in the in the mystical in the mystical land. Um, there are a few other there are a few other legends around, uh, sort of staying for hundreds of years or, or many years when you think you've only been there for a while. Um, people will probably be most familiar with Rip Van Winkle, yeah. the, the Appalachian folktale collected by Washington Irving, where this guy just went hunting and he took a nap. And he slept for, I don't know, was it 30, 40 years? I don't know what it was. I think it, it, was, it was 20 years because he's, 
I remember it was 20 years because it, it covered the before the revolution to after the revolution, just uh. that exact period. And Washington Irving wanted to, uh, the original story probably didn't do that, but Washington Irving wanted to show, you know, how rapidly America was changing in, in those revolutionary times. Imagine if you went to sleep in 1990 and woke up in, in 1990, why am I saying 1990? That was yeah. not, that was not 20 years ago. That was 30 years ago. Yeah. Imagine if you went to sleep in 2000 and you woke up in, in 2020, like you went to sleep, you put your, your, your Philip Savvy or your Nokia 3210 on, on sleep mode or you switched it off and you woke up in the land of smartphones. And yeah. Well, you, you thought you thought you woke up, you, you went to bed, you thought, well, I, I charged it three days ago. I've got another five days left. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, I do. I, I do think, though, that, I mean, when people think about generational change, I always think the hunger strikes were 1981, 1981, and 18 years later, 1999, there was the MTV Music Awards were happening in Celtic Tiger, Dublin, and Bewitched opened it. And I was thinking, that's, that's there was such significant generational change there. And I know we can, you know, kind of turn our nose to certain aspects of Celtic Tiger life, but a lot of it was very positive, and a lot of it was was you know was yeah it, it was people there was it, it, it's a it's a fascinating point how we got from the these protests uh by bobby sands down, down the street to getting to, to having irishness being being connected to something entirely aspirational yeah broadcast um, all around the world like uh, yeah largely, I, I, down to, largely down to riverlands love it or hate it making well, irish cool all around the world i think if i uh, woke up this year having gone to sleep 20 years ago the single biggest question i would have is what the fuck is a podcast this is the funny thing is we, I, i've been thinking about this a lot and you know i mean we we're in season three here there's, there's a few of our sister podcasts in ireland you know have been producing a certain amount of um quarantine era content and i'm thinking about our pal finn dwyer I'm thinking about Noam, oh, yeah. Tim and Naomi, O'Leary. I'm thinking about um, some of our, our head stuff colleagues. And it's been, I think in, in some ways podcasting for its various reasons, um, maybe for the, the, the nature of its production, might be a better, in, fi- in five years, ten years' time, might, might give a better account of the feeling of what this time was like. Then television will, because there might be a there might be a COVID nineteen movie in five years time with Matt Damon, and it'll be you know it might be good, bad, or indifferent. But we the kind of there's there's a combination between storytelling, diary keeping, and journalism and comedy <laughs> that happens in Irish podcasting. I, I think look, yeah, you had me at. at- COVID-19 movie in a few years time with Matt Damon starring as a docky based podcaster <laughs> the zeitgeist while getting down to the bakery for fresh crumpets every morning and go swimming some paparazzi's trying to photograph when a docky man says you boy get out of that bush and leave our American visitor alone not the American <laughs> visitor what are you saying Leave, leave Matthew alone. He's one of us now. Docky, especially one of the things with Docky is it's, it's Docky. It's like Don- like a certain town in Donegal and like Dingle, they love famous people and they love and they don't let anyone near them. 
<laughs> like I, I, I think it's gas because like Dingle has Dingle. They love the fact that say if a famous person like Marlon Brando or Richard Harris or someone was in town when I went back when I was a barman there, it's like they famous people come there because they get they get left alone. You don't have someone just yeah. You know, and if a person starts talking to you, it's not because they want your autograph. It's because they're like, oh, so you know, yeah. Did you see the dolphin today? That's, yeah. what, that's what they thought. That's what they ask. If, the if, if, if somebody taps you on the shoulder in Dingle, it's it's not because they want your autograph. It's because you're in the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> they want to sell you something. Do you want to buy a fungi t-shirt? You gullible fucker. <laughs> it's gas. There's a there's a kind of um, there's a hall of or kind of a, a walk of fame. It's in in. In Dingle and has all the various film stars who've been to Dingle, and they refused to put Tom Cruise on it, even though he, he filmed far and away in the area. But they said that he hadn't actually drank in the pub. Um, <laughs> the actual that the Walk of Fame was actually so you got like Robert Mitchum, Sarah Miles, and uh, various film stars in this thing. And even though Tom Cruise had been to Dingle, he had not set foot in this particular bar, and the barman just refused to because he actually owned that bit of road, or he had kind of a Whatever the the planning the planning commission terminology a, is. A, adverse possession. It was his footpath. It's kind of like the field, but for a one and a half meter strip of pavement outside the bar. Like, a, cer- like, a, yank. like a certain dorky broad, um, dorky based broadcaster and uh, a small piece of land between his and the neighbor's house. <laughs> wasn't that on? Wasn't that an oath? I'm, I, I'm, am I mixing up broadcasters? No, I am. I know exactly who you're talking about. Who shall remain nameless for the, uh, for the, <laughs> for the purposes of us not getting our arses sued in the first episode of season three. Oh, yeah, we haven't actually said anything. I've met this person. They're they're actually really nice person. And their name is Fat Penny. I've drifted a little bit from the fact. So we know. Tiernanog, in addition to the story where Oshin is having a great time with Tiernanog, but he misses his mates. He comes back and they're gone. And this is um, this is a horrible thing when people actually do feel after moving away to get married or or even the business of moving moving house, moving in with, with your girlfriend or getting married or seeing less of your mates. The idea that, that, that the world has moved on, your world has moved on, their world has moved on. And even though you've only moved a few millimeters this way and they've only moved a few millimeters that way, it becomes a centimeter very quickly. Yeah. And, and, no, and it gets bigger it, and bigger. And then, you know, you, you and you find, yes, you, you miss out. And you, you, one of the things that what, what Twitter especially has done is it's, it's shown, like people talk about, oh, like how, you know, the, the fish cannon was a huge thing last year for a few days. And the feral hogs thing was, it was a huge thing for a few days. The thing is, most groups of friends have kind of running gags that are a bit like that. And if you're out of the loop for a few months, you miss you miss them. And you have, they have there's, a, there's a frame of reference in the conversation that you're actually not privy to. It's almost like you're not fluent in their language anymore. 
Yeah, it's it's it is tough, isn't it? Though, like when you and and yet there's always hope, and yet there's always this idea that you you know you meet your friends again, and there's some kind of thread, there's something to connect you, there's something to be to be woken up with, and, and like when Oshin comes back to Ireland, um, he has his 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 tragic undoing, um, which basically condemns him to death. But at that point, he meets. St. Patrick and his old friend and former member of the Fianna, Quilta McRonan. And the three of them in conversation give us one of the great collections of Irish folklore, um, Ogle of Nishanori, uh, the, the interview of the old men or the conversation of the old men, where Patrick, uh, Usheen and Quilta just, they walk around Ireland and when they get to a certain point, like they get to Ben Bulban and Oshin goes, oh, I remember that was where Dermot met his untimely end and they tell the story of the boar and they talk about Toriach, Yermadagas, Grania. And it's just a brilliant way of collecting the stories. But again, probably one of the reasons why Oshin and Tiernan Og, um has that kind of, that, 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 that darkness to it, uh, you know, why, why, all of our mythology has that darkness to it. Is this was a Christian retelling of it, and the moral of the story is all your mates are burning in hell because they were pagans and they weren't aware of the Savior Christ, and they have no hope. There you go. Look at them. That's them in hell. Ha ha ha. Uh, so it's gonna. It's got. It's got that terrible dark undertone that uh, most uh, European Christian societies give to pre-Christian pagan legends, but it's still a brilliant retelling of all of the stories of the Fianna. This, I remember there was a huge, uh, was a huge thing that in the Middle Ages, Catholicism didn't want people studying the classics. They didn't want people studying, you know, like a Plato and Aristotle because like, well, why should we, be, if these people are so smart, then why were they Christians before, you know, Christ was born? <laughs> um, and it, was, it became a thing that they said, well, okay, maybe the ones before Christ were born were okay, we can study them academically, but we sure as heck can't, you know, take kind of um, any wisdom from these other people. And it was, it was a battleground for a while where people say, no, well, but maybe smart is smart, whoever said it. And it took decades to get, you know, the clergy to agree to that. And I, a big part of the, of the fact that these Irish stories, they said, you know, like, and I was reading recently that the members of the Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons, have been, like, been uh, posthumously baptizing their ancestors. So into, into the Mormon faith? Yeah. And on one level, I thought that's, that's you, know, you know, you can't baptize someone without their consent, or you shouldn't be able to, but then... Another part of me thought, well, they're not doing any harm, and they're doing it because they want to meet these ancestors in the afterlife. I presume. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah it's I mean, it, you know, there's like a whole load of baptizing going on without consent. It's kind of the bedrock of the Catholic Church. Oh, you know, baby thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> you do it before the kid is old enough to say, you know what, I I don't actually fancy this. Please, if you don't mind, this ain't my bag. I remember that we we used, I used to work in a video shop and in in the Kimmage uh, Kimmage Crossroads, we in the KC Ors we used to go out and there was a man who used to come in. Uh, this is many moons ago, and he asked me about you know um, about my my fidelity to the Christian faith, 
as you do when you're in a video show. Yeah, he was. Um, he he often he we I we called him sir because the reason was once I, I said he asked me once you know like um, if I was a Catholic and said I am he goes I am sir and then he he would insist on me called sir even though like we didn't know why he every time he came in he had a different, he claimed he had a different amount of degrees and PhDs once he had like seven BAs four MAs several PhDs and he couldn't remember how many HDPs he had. I was like, why would you have more than one? Why would you have Actually, many? I, I, often, I often lose count of the old age tips myself. They're the hardest one to keep track of. Uh, Come here to me. What, uh, what was he renting? <laughs> um, he was All this is completely undone if he's like renting like schoolgirl summer seven or, or whatever. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. Like he, one, one day, like he came in and like he, often he wouldn't rent anything. He, he, he just asked for discounts and things as an OAP and things like that. One day he said, I'm looking for a film. Or he, he wouldn't say film. He's calling pictures. I'm looking for a picture. I was. I, I heard about the pictures. It's very good. There's fire everywhere. And there's devils. And the devils are shouting at each other. And a man falls from the sky into the flames. And he's like, no. And the devil's like, yes. And he, and he goes, I think the film is called Hell. I remember like saying this this like this film like doesn't exist and I remember we had to basically find a way to say without offending him. Um, do you think possibly, sir, you may have made this film up? <laughs> do you think, sir, you're actually referring to um, Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> but then he we, we we suggested Devil's Advocate for him and he said no, no, no. But if we came back, he wanted to see more Keanu Reeves films because you know the guy's iconic. He's the closest thing to an angel we have in in cinema. I yeah. think it's fair. But yeah, and and yes, and if he had come back from Toronto, he probably would would not have aged much at all because that's Keanu. But yeah, so getting back to I think to, to wrap up the the whole Toronto thing because obviously there's there's a lot to be said there, and the big thing is it, it's it's something that touches a lot of parts of it has endured in a way that many other stories haven't. Done. It's, it's it tells people's hearts because of this um, relationship trauma, but it also there's a, a popular song. Yeah, there is, um, which uh, many of us who went to Gael Scullina or anybody who went to the Gael uh, probably learned. Fado Fado and Aaron Rivyachta Nuaish, Viconian, Aaron Vien, Fionsawaka Oshin, long ago in Ireland, um, before the modern age. Uh, Fiona lived there, uh, Fionn and his son Oshin. And yeah, it kind of takes the story, sums it up, um, and, and kind of puts it to a catchy tune. Uh, and the best thing about it was, uh, like the, the chorus, um, how she, how she wooed him, like, um, Valchie le Brach, Valchie le Pogue, as Valchie Gonaina go, Matir Nanog. She enchanted him with beauty, she beguiled him with a kiss. And without the slightest difficulty, she enticed him to go to Tiernan O. But it's got that kind of that punchy rhythm to it that allows uh, kids and teenagers to shout things uh, in between the lines. You know, like, cut a nice massa. This is like, as, as, as Justin Timberlake sang many years ago, he's going to do something, don't do this anymore. I want all the guys to sing this part. <laughs> the girls to sing this part. You know, and he's like, nice massa. 
Not a Reich. Mm-hmm. You know, ladies, you know, fellas, yeah. good night, ladies, good morning. <laughs> and that's the, so the, it has so that the, call, the, call and return kind of um, call, call and return. And return. Yeah, that's it. Explaining the enduring popularity of the fields of Athenry as well, allowing armchair Republicans to scream during the chorus. <laughs> Indeed. But one of the things that before we um, wrap up, one of the things about that, that song is it focuses very much on how sad, you know, um, Oshin's father was that his, his son had moved away. As, rather than the idea that he married a guy, he, you know, provided a very nice life for him. He left to see his mates, said he was back, you know, said he was back in a few minutes, and then he dies. I mean, that's true. Yeah. But that's a much more tragic thing than a guy's adult son finally moving out. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's sort of with these stories, you have to you have to you have to up the tragedy. He has to die. He has to die for this story to to work. Um, so she says, like Neve says, if you want to go back and see your mates, you can take my horse, uh, but don't set foot on the ground. Do not touch the ground. Stay on the horse. So he gets back to, to Ireland and he's riding around Ireland. He can't find Fiona and the Fianna anywhere. And he gets to Tala, which is a, a stop on everyone's journey around Ireland. You simply must visit it, um, the square town centre. Um, he wanted to, to go there, obviously. And when he gets as far as Tala, he sees these lads trying to roll a boulder up a hill. And he's looking at this going, like, what the hell has happened to the men of Ireland? Like, in my day, this was a piece of piss. You just pick up a boulder in one of your one of your lava and you just bring it with you. So he says, where are you bringing the boulder, lads? And they say, Glen is small. He says, I'll do it. So he leans over to try and hoosh the boulder up and the saddle strap snaps and he falls, hits the ground and instantly ages 300 years and that's, that's an end to him. He hangs on a little while and is baptised into the Christian faith by Patrick and spends his, his last days touring Ireland with St. Patrick and Quilchim Ronan, recalling the good old days. But but that's him done. Brown bread, uh, no hope. So there's there's tragedy in it. Like, you know, it's it also, it does kind of underline that message that, you know, you can go, but you can never come back. Yeah. Or, yeah, you, you never can come back. But... Unlike Oshin, we've come back. We're going to produce con- quarantine content for you, our friends, who can kind of invite us into your headphones. Because, you know, it's it's time when we all need to actually all be together. And we are delighted to be back on the horse. Send <laughs> you our send your big green hearts. Yeah, let's try not to fall out of the fucking saddle. Yes, we're not going to fall off the saddle, and I, 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 I do. Th- I, I do love the fact that when someone is actually back from London or New York, people go, "Oh, their feet haven't touched the ground yet." Those feckers, you know, because <laughs> it's like it's something that's endured. This this whole idea that yes, someone is just wafting around when when someone returns from Toronto, that yes, their feet don't touch the ground yet because they are notions. And that makes me know. Thank you very much for joining me Sam, uh, today in these these crazy times. Yeah, pleasure. It's a slon Wimshire. And a slon from me. Motherfucker comes out Fridays, ideally, on the Heads of Podcast Network. Brian produces us, Curse and Desert. 
uh, Kirsten Shiel, you can find her on Instagram and you can you can send us links to buying her work there. Headstuff are a wonderful company who make podcasts and help other people make their podcasts. You can check out the podcast studios when things get back to normal if you want to make one yourself and they will help you through the way. We are in, in beautiful downtown Balliaglia and you can contact us at motherfuckerheadstuff.org we have a different motherfucker curator on Twitter every Friday or every every week, and we, where we try to showcase how different people with an interest in Irish are. There's no such thing as an ordinary Galgor. In the meantime, share a little love, speak a little Irish, and thank you for letting us in your headphones. It's long ago. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Have we started recording? Well, we're recording and we, and Brian well, we haven't started, started yet. Cool.